Fifty States of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. Did you hear that? Hear what? Okay, I definitely heard that. What was it? Is anybody there? This is Indiana. Snake-like cryptids. Hello, hello, hello! Welcome back to 50 States of Terror! Hi, everybody! You're not gonna sing? Oh, no, today I'm not going to sing. I think that's two episodes in a row now. I think we've broken our tradition. You see, the thing is, you have to not expect it to happen. And when it does happen, it just sounds even better. So it's like the Spanish Inquisition? Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Welcome back, everybody. (laughs) We have had a really exciting time here lately. Anthony and I each got to join in on another podcast recently, Somewhat Supernatural. Yes, if you haven't heard, we're going to put that on our uh, on our socials because, you know, s- support local creators. And it was a fun time. I had a blast. Yes, we got to join in on live streams. I joined one episode. We talk about the Kushtaka, which is uh, Land Otterman in Alaska. And Anthony got to join in and discuss Texas stories. Texas Paranormal, and joined in with our friend Scuba Steve. Scuba. Uh, <laughs> so he has a very impressive, very long title about like the Prince of the Paranormal and the host with the ghost, and I can't do it justice. So I'm just going to leave you with that little tidbit, and you're going to have to go check out his episode to hear that full awesome title. But he has so much personality, and he really just brought what felt like a really, really brief moment that we got to interact with him, just like brought that energy level, and it's really exciting. So definitely check out Somewhat Supernatural. It's with the Project Louder Network, and we were thrilled to be a part of his episode, and he's talking about having us back for another. We will keep you all posted on our socials, um, which, Anthony, take it away. How can people find us? You can find us on Facebook on instagram at 50 states of terror and twitter 50 states terror without the of you know because because the character limit (laughs) (laughs) we recorded that audio before we made our first episode and it's just so great i can't bring myself to re-record it even though our audio quality has gotten so much better it just, I just love, I just love that at the end. So you'll hear it all again. But that's how you can find us. You can also find us on Patreon. Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive content. They get a whole second episode in the bye week when we don't have something coming out for you. And the that's detour. Our detour. So if this is a road trip from state to state, every road trip has to stop for snacks. Every good road trip always has a detour. Pee break. So that's when we get to talk about all the crazy random things. We already have a pretty good plan for what this detour is going to be because, oh my gosh, we found some super cool stuff. On the very final note, before we get started with our episode, just a little bit of a heads up. We are going to be taking off on the month of March. Yeah, we got things happening. We got uh, birthdays. Spring break. It's our anniversary. And our wedding anniversary. Holy shnikes. So we're going to have family in town. We're going to have all this stuff going on. And we just want to make sure we give you guys our full attention. So we're just going to, we're going to go ahead and take March off, do a little bit of back work. 
We just had our first live stream and it was so much fun. If you listen to our bonus episode, Lover's Lane, you already know what we're talking about. We posted that audio for you to check out if you weren't able to check the live stream. But it was so much fun to have people like commenting and asking questions and like interacting. Yeah. And I think this is something that we want to do when we can bring in guests, live guests and, mm-hmm. and have questions and, and have personal experiences about uh, just spooky stuff in general, cryptids, paranormal uh and all the things in between. It's just something that it was really fun to, to do and it went well. Yeah, I was I was really impressed for our first time. We had minimal technical difficulties and we're excited to jump into that as being a way that we can connect with you guys because we love you guys. And I love the fact that my phone can handle that. Anthony got that f- the new flip phone because the 90s are back. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now on to today's episode. We are making an exception for this episode. Yes. Similarly to how we made an exception for Connecticut when we discussed the sound, we discussed a whole area. Right. Indiana's got some weird shit going on. Super weird shit. It was so much more like... I make jokes about some kind of like the flyover states. Like, well, yeah, of course they've got cryptid stories. They've got nothing else going on. But they'll have, like, one or two just, like, really out there things. Um, Indiana had one for, like, every county had some kind of crazy story happening. And not just cryptid. Like, you want to go into uh, paranormal. You want to go into extraterrestrial. It is all in Indiana. And true crime. True crime. Holy shit. There were crazy deaths, there were crazy murders, there were crazy suicides, there was so much happening in Indiana. I was overwhelmed. I wasn't even sure what to do. We had a different cryptid picked out, and then we switched cryptids. We found a pretty consistent link that I wasn't really expecting, and that is Indiana's got a lot of snakes. Yeah, snake stories. Like, more snake stories. What really got me going on it was because I love Indiana Jones. (laughs) And like, why is it always got to be snakes? Why is it always got to be snakes? (laughs) And so as soon as I read the first snake cryptid, I was like, I've never, I've never heard of this. This is, I've never even come across this in a story or a mention. And I, I texted it to Anthony. I was like, Hey, I know we were talking about doing this other thing, but what about this thing? And I think your exact text was, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the one he had sent me was the, the one that ate dead. Don't know. I'm about to tell tell that story. Okay. All right. So the first one that we came across was outside of Oxford, Indiana, and I can't find the specific cemetery. This is when I started finding a lot of the true crime stories. Because when I search Snake, Oxford, or Lafayette Courier, which is the newspaper that was said to have reported it, I could only find a recent incident where a woman was actually killed by her pet snake. It was a constrictor and it wrapped around her. So a lot of my results were redirected. But in 1889, a report from the Lafayette Courier said that the snake was said to feed on the corpses in the cemetery. It was a monstrous snake that was about 15 feet long and had the circumference of a good-sized stovepipe with eyes of fire 
and was adorned with horns underneath fully 10 inches long. So in September of 1889, it is being a slithery little snake and eating all the dead bodies in the cemetery. And that's when I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that seems like something, you know, like scary stories to tell in the dark. You know, you hear the slithering or something and then the grave pops open. Like, it's just something out of this world. No. (laughs) You see, what what I imagine is this fucking giant ass snake unhinging its jaw and going from the feet up to its head and and a, f- a freaky fucking thing to see. <laughs> now, do you remember when we watched The Taking of Deborah Logan? Yes. Anytime I think about something's jaws unhinging, I just picture that movie. And I won't spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but if snakes freak you out, it's not it's not your, your movie, my friend. <laughs> Don't watch it, my guy. It's very heavily into snakes and things like that. And there is a very specific scene where there's a jaw unhinging and ugh, I just got like shivers. <laughs> yeah. Not my favorite scene. Yeah. It is interesting that you had said that it's described as fiery eyed because mine, the Crawfordville monster, is also described as having fiery eyes. What's the name of the town again? Crawfordville. I was having extreme difficulty pronouncing this 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 town because I wanted to say Crod Fordsville as like singular <laughs> like like names in the in the town. I had to make my little jab there. We were we were rehearsing it together. Crawfordville. Crawfordsville. Yeah. On September fifth, eighteen ninety one, it is described by two men, Mister McIntyre and Mister Gray. McIntyre's an alcoholic. Let me go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> no, actually, he's described as being a, a well-to-do farmer. I've never met a McIntyre that was sober. <laughs> so they describe this thing around 300 feet in the air, 18 feet in length, and 8 feet wide, having one singular cyclop eye on fire. And it's floating. It's described as having... Not wings, but small little fin-like wings, I I guess. Like fingers? Well, no, because it's described as not having like two giant wings floating in the air, hovering. Mm -hmm. It's described as having multiple uh, phalanges, if you will, on on both sides of his body. Just kind of like... I don't know why phalanges, if you will, (laughs) tickled me so much, but... Phalanges, Phalanges, if if you will. (laughs) (laughs) And having a giant face, eye thing, uh, and and the eye is actually inside of its its jaw. And it is said in the article, because I found the article. The original. The original article. Like photo scans of the original. The historic document. Uh, And it is... From the Crawfordville Journal, September 5th, 1891. And the article goes into saying that these two men saw it. They were like, holy shit. They went into town for something and said that they, the article says that they put in their bacon in the barn. They described the pigs mm-hmm. as, as their bacon and put the bacon in the barn, went into town for something because it says that they went to grab the local authorities or what have you. So they return and it was 
daylight now because they prepped their horses to go to the uh, the ice box because they are delivering ice. Because it said that they're delivering ice to in town, so I'm, I'm assuming that part of being farmers, they ice deliverers, because that's what they do back in the day. They have this huge ass block of ice. That's why you have an ice box. Correct, mm-hmm. correct, exactly, and that's one of the, their their jobs. So they return, and the thing is gone. Uh, but it is also spotted two streets away by a neighboring uh, woman, and the woman has said that she doesn't want to be identified on in, in the article. When they were interviewed, they were saying that, well, we're going to always have our Springfield rifles with us at all times because they wanted to shoot this shoot this goddamn thing down. <laughs> like, like, let me uh, name drop real fast. This is the type of rifle I have. <laughs> but holy shit, it, it was a thing of pure joy to find the original article that it was written in and... The thing is described as this like fantastical fucking thing, but it literally is a flock of killdeer beards hovered 300 feet, stayed in one position, and moved at, in unison to another another position. I mean, I I grew up with a lot of killdeer like in our property and stuff. Usually, I would see them like down on the ground, but they do like flock around together. I think it's interesting that. For the time period, so we're talking, you said 1891? 1891, yeah. This is actually only a couple of years after my serpent was eating right. bodies. And it's described as having the same fiery eye. And it's got horns and like, you know, there's there's definitely some similarities. Dragon-like is what yes. is what is. They Maybe said. those horns would be phalanges, if you please. Oh, please. Well, okay, if I, if I please then. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, I think it's... <laughs> well, yes, I do please. I think it's interesting that there isn't a religious association here. No, no. Because what you're describing to me, um, because I didn't, I didn't research your cryptid, but though just the way you're describing it with like the little feathers and like the little phalanges sticking around and the one large eye, that to me sounds like a seraphim. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you know one of the biblical descriptions of an angel where it's got all of those wings around it and that one large eye in the center. So I'm kind of surprised that just as, like I said, as you're describing it to me, if you were described to somebody else, especially in like 1800s. In 1800s. Yeah. Late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And you had a, you have like a decent little variety going on in Indiana with lifestyle and religious. Um, so, I mean, this is post civil war. Yeah. You've got, not a ton of diversity by our today standard. Yet the Western push is nearing its end. So there's there's a lot going on. There's there's a, you know this is kind of the beginning of the diversity, but yeah, just that description like lots of feathers, lots of wings. Yeah, one big eye. That's a seraphim. Yeah, and the if you if you take into consideration any other thing that it could have been or anything that it could relate to. During that time, they were already the, the the majority of the indigenous peoples were already pushed out. So, like there's there's no correlation between anything like a thunderbird or anything like a, a and and for them to describe it as a dragon is completely interesting because then you're putting an eastern like cryptids into into what a westerner would 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 say it could be because it's saying later on mm-hmm. like. Uh, later on is is described as a dragon. So when you're saying Eastern, you're referring to like Asian Eastern? Asian Eastern. 
See, I don't, I don't uh, like automatically associate dragons with Asian, especially when a lot of these people are going to be like so soon after coming from Europe and Europe has its own dragon lore. But I think that's interesting. Was there like a specific feature that made you think more Asian? Just the fact that it's a flying serpent. Oh, okay. So like that long, like dragon-like body where it's, okay. Instead of like the big honking muscular right wyvern right and minus minus the two wings okay okay i see what you're saying there yeah that makes a lot more sense because dragons are more like feathery and and whatnot in like japanese lore and right all right so those stories were 1800s now i have one more that we're going to discuss now there are other snake stories and there are other reptiles such as the beast of busco which is a large turtle we have one more big snake story And this one also had a little bit of conflicting information I would find when I was searching for it, because the same years that these sightings are happening, there's a very real event that's happening in another state by the same name, and that is Pete the Python. So in the 1950s in Fort Wayne, Indiana, there was a family driving down the road, the Krantz family, and the wife describes that there was a large at least 12, 15 feet snake laying across the road. Now they thought it was a log, but then it lifted its head up and she said it had a bulldog of a face. It had this big round face and it was blue, pale blue, deathly blue, scary blue. And then before they could get anyone there, of course it was already gone. Now the family's claim was taken so seriously that the sheriffs came out on horseback to go look for this snake. They had over a hundred people. They had airplanes searching the area. They had, of course, their mounted sheriffs. They had conservationists out there looking because now they're having this, you know, crazy claim that there is this ginormous snake in the area. I just, I'm just picturing like Anthony getting a call saying, hey, (laughs) we've got a ginormous thing and, and now you have to, you know, leave your office, come over here. We're going to go looking for the thing. It was such a widespread community effort. People were barring up their homes. They were locked the windows, all the things. But this is the 50s. There's not a lot of AC going on in here. Like, we're not too far away from when we were delivering ice blocks in our previous story. People are calling the sheriff's office. Hey, have you caught that snake yet? It is hot in here. And I need to open my windows. Now to follow up to that... Not long after this family claimed to see this large 12 to 15 foot snake, another group of motorists claimed that they also saw a snake. It was a similar area near the Fort Wayne territory. It was a similar size. They said maybe closer to the 18 foot range. But where it started to differ was that it wasn't the same color. And it's more into that burning that was described for our flying snake and a little bit closer to our cemetery snake. And so there were some conflictions, but they still had this posse and this search team ready. So they went out again, looking for the second snake. But that's where the story ends. There are no further articles. There are no further reports, no further sightings. It just stops. Now, there are some larger snakes in this area. So there are blue racer snakes, and there was one of the sheriff deputies who was also a farmer, and he claimed that he killed a seven-foot blue racer snake. The other farmers agreed that sometimes these snakes come up and they do spook the horses. Now, Chicago area also has what's called the pilot black snake, 
and those grow up to be about six foot long. So there are large snakes, but we are not talking a 12 foot snake. We are not talking an 18 foot snake. We're not talking an 80 foot snake. Some of these claims are just out of this world and are almost prehistoric, really. The thing that comes to mind about prehistoric snake is the Titanoboa. Titanoboa. But Titanoboa wasn't even as big as some of these claims are. I don't know. I, uh, without looking it up, I think Titanoboa was like close to 20 feet in length. Cause I'm, yeah. Because I, I, remember, I remember the episode of Dino Dana. And it's <laughs> Our a, son loves Dino Dana. It's a giant fucking python. Like, like, enorm- but some of these people are claiming like 80 feet. Some of these people are claiming ginormous, crazy, crazy, crazy lengths. But I'm going to look up Titanoboa for you. It says 12.8 meters. What's that in, Amer- in American? Which is about 40 feet. Still, that is a ginormous snake, but still only half as big as what one of the claims was that they saw an 80 foot snake. Right. Even prehistoric, that doesn't even really add up. But that does bring me to the topic that is going to be part of our detour episode. The following weekend, we don't have a public episode, but we do have a detour episode. It is exclusive for our Patreon listeners, and you can unlock that with any level. So even if you just sign up for the dollar level a month, 12 bucks a year, then you get double the episodes. Double your pleasure. Double your fun. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Those episodes are raw, unedited, uncut. Unedited. You'll hear Anthony say it every time we make a big uh-oh. Hell yeah, because <laughs> it's funny as hell. All right, so let's, let's, rate, let's rate these things. Okay, well, let's start with Crawfordsville. I have to say that I will give it a three out of five. A three out of five. Yeah, a three out of five. I'll, I'll meet you at three out of five. Yeah, I love the idea of having a what is what is described in the category in cryptozoology as an atmospheric beast and flying creatures, flying whales, flying jellyfish, flying in, uh, giant flying insects, giant snakes, all of those awesome things. I wanted more firsthand accounts because after that firsthand account. On September fifth, and eighteen ninety one, there has has not been another sighting of it. You want to know why? Because it was a flock of killdeer. <laughs> <laughs> Optometry wasn't what it is today in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, but how do you fucking explain that fiery singular you astigmatism? That fucking just one's uh, Sauron eye. So <laughs> seraphim. <laughs> so I gave it a three out of five. Like if there was another. If, if there was another claim that says, yeah, we saw it and it's the same thing, large, singular, cyclops, fiery eye, I would definitely give it more than that. But just one claim, I need, I need more for it to be higher. But I do love it. I do absolutely love the story and the cryptid itself. I love it. Yeah. And for Pete the Python, I'm actually going to follow suit and I'm going to do three out of five. Now, Pete the Python was a real snake that escaped from a Fort Worth zoo in 1954. So whenever I was trying to look for this cryptid by name, by Pete the Python, 
you know, just a very generic kind of like moniker, if you will. There was another bigger story, same time period, but an actual event. And it got a lot more press coverage because there's a lot of people in Fort Worth area. It was a large snake that escaped from a zoo, I believe it was. It was interesting. There were only two sightings similar to the Crawfordville. And it was just a big snake. If I had found more information on this cemetery snake that was eating corpses and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's the story I want. And I'm probably going to do more research. So if I come across like a treasure trove of things I couldn't find in this research, you know, time frame, then I will give you all an update. And I'll be like, guys, guess what? I found the 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 corpse eating cryptid and now we're going to talk about it (laughs) we'll have a spinoff episode of like stuff that kaylee found after the episode so with our ratings complete i'm super excited to record our detour episode we're going to be discussing some different time periods and when i say time periods we're not going to say like 1800s 1700s we're going to be talking about some of these huge creatures that lived in the Carboniferous period. We're going to talk about the Cambrian explosion, which is the period of time in which all of a sudden we have fossil records because we're past multi-cell organisms that are just kind of like mashing around. Oh, we're getting fucking sciencey on this <laughs> Because we found a lot of little tidbits about why are these snakes so big? Why are these stories about these snakes so big? And right. it kept going back to when animals were larger, like dinosaur size. Insects. Insects. We that's so we're gonna discuss a little bit like why were they so big? Why do so many cryptids reflect those things? And we're just gonna like do our thing and nerd out over there. So if you wanna join in on it, if you wanna have more opportunities to interact with this, absolutely find us on Patreon. And we will see you there. And you don't even have to be a paid member for all of the perks. Because sometimes I like to just share stuff with the people that I know really, really like us. And so I do have public posts on there as well. And uh, hopefully we see you there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. You make us happy. Yeah. All right, well, let's roll those, uh, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Let's get those credits going. Oh, now we do music. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Later. 50 States of Terror is a Housecraft production. This episode was researched, written, and presented by Anthony and Kaylee Diaz. Do you need more 50 States of Terror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You can find us on Facebook, Patreon, and Instagram at 50 States of Terror. Now that's 50 States of Terror. And on Twitter at 50 States Terror without the of, you know, because of the character limit. <laughs> we'll see you there. Yeah, you will. <laughs>